everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. And you're welcome along today's show. The special guest is Padge Flynn. Unbelievably, we've worked out that Padge is going to visit us on the anniversary of Shamrock Rovers Real Madrid, the 13th anniversary to the day, um, which, of course, we planned years and years in advance. Um, also, he would be coming in after one of his clubs had a fairly tame 3-0 defeat in the Champions League last night. So a lot of talk about Shamrock Rovers, Derry City, who've exited uh, the, Europe, the Conference League, and obviously St. Patrick's Athletic and Sligo Rovers in action Thursday. But we will have lots of chat with Padge um, about Shamrock Rovers and that performance last night uh, in Bulgaria, which gives them a mountain to climb ahead of Tallinn next week. Um, welcome back to Delboy, our producer, who's uh, back in the house after watching uh, Braga play Middlesbrough in a pre-season friendly, getting the football in. Um, and we are here in Oliver Marketing as ever. And our sponsors are Future Ticketing. Um, who uh, we'll have future tickling on soon to talk about the ticket situation in Ireland. Um, Porterhouse Brewery sending out a load of brews this week. We've already had lovely feedback. Bonus brews. Bonus yeah. brews. Um, Slight delay. If, if, you're, if you're a competition winner and you haven't got your apologies package for that. Yet, it's worth waiting for when it comes. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Colour and Cuff, uh, Decky uh, had somebody on from Finn Harps who's, gonna, who's desperate for a suit, needs a tin of fruit, and will be in very soon. So we'll be on to you about that. Obviously, look after him. And he just has to mention LOI Central. And he gets a free shirt and tie. That's pretty much it, actually, isn't it? Uh, well, and Galway uh, United Cork City happened as well which yeah. is, we'll talk about as well uh, will we? Yeah. Colin Healy on the show last week yeah we should start with last night um, uh, very disappointing a lot of people are going to be listening to this probably on maybe on Thursday but yeah like I mean particularly the late goal I mean I, I, I posted up on Twitter the picture of the uh, the like Andy Lyons wins a free kick with a minute to go in the game and I've just I've never been so frustrated by a concession by a team that you're like you're not invested in it. Like I want the Irish clubs to do well, like I really yeah. do. But like I was just so annoyed by the whole thing. Um Do you remember when Graham Burke gave the ball away at the edge yes. of the box and I was like, okay, you got away with one there, but just don't do it again. Yeah, and like it's I mean, I know Stephen Bradley said afterwards it's the type of thing you wouldn't expect it in a Leinster senior cup game, never mind, you know, Champions League game. I just find it so like it's just incredibly frustrating and it's obviously multifaceted to the whole thing and like I'm very conscious right probably what makes Shamrock Rovers successful to a degree is their philosophy it's a bit like a couple of years back like Brian Gartland made those mistakes in Europe and then people are like oh no you know get rid of it and like no that's obviously daft like you know your philosophy is a particular way and you can't castigate a team you know for, for doing something they normally do and then it doesn't work but there's still a degree of common sense Go down the like line. you've been hammered here you've had a good second half and you've won the free kick which is a pressure reliever and you're like right 60 seconds to go let's just you know get it out of here and I there's probably you know Gary O'Neill comes to take it that's probably habitual to come and take it you know you know receives it from Grace it goes to Manus you could you could look at individuals was Lyons 100% on his toes and you could argue all of those things but the broader point is that no one collectively just said lads let's just get out of here you know, mm. let's just get out of here. And um, it's not a young team, you know. It's not like it's sort of, it's not like this is UCD playing away in Europe or something. And you go, to learn. Like, this is probably, you know, one of the most experienced sides that we've we've sent into European battle, you know. And yet, 
I don't know. I mean, did they have a leader in that moment? Oh, like some, I, I don't know. Like, Ronan I mean, off the pitch. Listen, there's heat is a factor. You've been generally they finished well, though. You've generally been chasing well. for a lot of the game, but like, why does Shamrock Rovers score a lot of late goals, say in the league mm. here? It's there because, were, but no, but why does Shamrock Rovers score a lot of goals in the league here? It's because so you have a superior team who demand like good bench, ask, ask a lot of questions mentally of the opposition and that's why Rovers score a lot of late goals in the mm. league at home the teams eventually just will to make bad decisions that's what happened here Rovers as much as they've been strong late on you are right in the last five minutes of the game though there was the Graham Burke there was a you know there was a couple of little worrying moments and they just couldn't um, they couldn't see it out and this is the problem I mean, we're, we're slightly overdoing it as well like because at 2-0 I mean there were vastly inferior to Ludogorets anyway and I know they'd have a chance in Tala but it'd be a mountain to No I, I, I take that point but like it, you know the week is alive without it and you know this this European run for them is realistically going to be about momentum mm. um, and you know they're now, like this is a scoopy from from Macedonia drew two all the way down one second right? like Linfield beat Bodo Glimt 1-0 last night okay, mm. it's one leg so we're just going out oh, because of the levels you can't get near them and maybe Ludogorets are better than all those clubs but actually champions in other clubs Zalgiris from Lithuania beat Malmo 1-0 last night even Dudelange who Bowes were better than last year they got a little bit lucky because the Armenia team beat Cluj but again the champions of Armenia knocked out the champions of Romania and we're sort of here going well you know it's levels, isn't it? Well, no, like they shouldn't teams, have lost the game three 0 Teams, another, yeah, okay. Yeah. I thought you might. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they, they should, they should be able to get a better result than a three 0 A bit like Derry against Riga. Derry got two very poor results. Rovers need to. Uh, Rovers should be able to keep that tie alive for Tala, and they didn't. So, I was looking last night because it's obviously a, it's obviously a striking thing about like this debate over you know what how, how have Rovers done in Europe and the, I guess the benchmark team in recent years is is done off twenty sixteen. I was looking at it, I was like, you know, just Rovers were so flat. Like, they, they had six players aged 30 and over in the starting 11 last night. And I, I am convinced that if you want a team that's going to succeed in Europe at the very highest, like, to really push the boundaries, like, you need a sort of a, you need players that are probably on the rise in their careers. And for whatever reason, and we're probably going to talk in a while about the drain of talent to League One. And it's, it's, there's no doubt there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a broader situation in the league here at the moment whereby um, a lot of the players have probably gone to League One are the ones that traditionally probably Rovers, but I mean, they, they tried to sign Dara Burns. Mm. They tried to sign Edmund Ginty. Um, wouldn't be surprised if they'd had a, a sort of a nibble at, at promise uh, on Macher as well. Um, and obviously a lot of these players are leaving the country now. And we have this, I think, weird this situation where Rovers have a lot of the best players here, but they're more so players who are... Um, very experienced and savvy and able to sort of win the league here yet you know going to Europe it asks a little bit more questions of them and I'm very conscious of like a knee-jerk reaction to one result it may well be that their experience um, and some of the attributes that they have is what maybe allows them allowed them to like manage that Hibernians game very well you know, it, they were it, shy though. Yeah, I know. But well, Hibernians again, again last night they scored three goals against mm. Levadia Talon. Like mm. you know, who like Rovers lost to Florida. We're knocked out by an Estonian team last year. Like, we went after yeah, the Levadia Talon game last year. We spoke no, about the age profile of the Rovers team. It's resources. No, well, again. Yeah, well, Flora was who they played. Levadia was the team that dog played. But the, the general point is like 
it's not a case of I, I think there's an element of is it a case of having the energy and the, the vibrancy to be able to compete so anyway I just thought is this something that's in my head or not so I decided to go and look at the average age of the Rovers team that started last night versus I suppose the benchmark game is Dundalk against Bate in 2016 the 3-0 so I went through the ages of the teams obviously at the time so Rovers 2022 the average age of their team last night is 30 um and slightly skewed by Alamanis, but it's a oh, fair no, point. I, and no, he, no, he's been very sorry, good. Sorry, I'm ahead of you on that. I knew that would happen. So Dundalk's average age, 26.5 in 2016. But I was conscious that Alamanis could screw it. But also Gary Rogers, by the way, 34, also the oldest player in that Dundalk team mm. by four years. So take the goalkeepers out mm. of it. The outfield average age, 29.1 Shamrock Rovers, 25.8. That's Dundalk It's a team. massive difference. Looked at the age of the Dundalk team when they played batting. So, Rogers 34, Gannon 25, Barrett 23, Boyle 25, Massey 28, Horgan 23, Shields 25, Mountney 23, then McMillan 28, Finn 28, O'Donnell 30. Now, I know O'Donnell is, was battered and broken a bit from injuries, but in, that, in our mind's eye at that time, he was possibly a bit of a veteran figure. In the Rovers team last night, he'd be like the sixth oldest player. Right, so there's definitely something. Uh, how there. how can you and and I and I do think as well. Like I also look I looked at the subs as well. Like in, in the subs in the Batty game in 2016, McElhenney and Benson come on. I think they were 23 at the time last night. Burke, Kavanagh, Gannon again older, you know. And you go back even to Rovers 2011 then. And I didn't quite go through the whole differential, but you think of that team as well. You had Stevens and the Stevens on the way up. Shepherd who ended up getting a move to England at the time. And then you have the likes of Finn and O'Donnell and stuff who are younger versions mm. of the ones that were in those teams in, in 2016. Now, I think like Rovers 2020, you look at it and you had Jack Byrne, you had Aaron McAniff, you had players in that profile who were like 22, 23, about to go to the next level, you know, probably pushing to get to, to the UK or wherever they wanted to go in their career. And I think our best sides need to have that. Here you have Richie Towell and McCann, who I thought had a decent game, but they're coming, they're basically probably at their last they're, big club Yeah, that's, ish, the, that's the thing. Like, even if you want to call it a big just, club. Like, you know, you look at last night, the, the, of the players in their 30s, again, or not in their 30s, like Grace is 29, Hoare is 28, Gary O'Neill is 27. Like, mm. you, and you, you know, these are all older than the well, majority of the, that's a dog 2016 team. So, Watts is 25 and Lyons a terrible game. Andy Lyons is 21 mm, and, who's leaving. And, and it looks like Andy Lyons might leave yeah so like this they is brought this on Justin obviously in the last yeah. round he was very good Trevor's eye very promising uh, Idemo um, you know has come into game scored last year but they don't have these young players that are making I, I was worried about going into game last night it, it's it's it, it's one thing you tell but it's also a turn of pace like and they don't have yeah, either I, of them I think yeah and of course listen, I mean they've been a bit unlucky in some ways like Farouge has just been injured he's someone in the, in he the, has in pace. the he's in the right profile yeah you know Jack Byrne injured like and you know to, to think that effectively if Jack doesn't play next week the idea that he would not play in half of your qualifying European campaign mm. they would have expected to play eight games and qualify Danny Mandroyo has left yeah Mandrew again gone mm. you know and he's someone again he Mandrew is in the perfect age and profile to do well in Europe and you think of all our teams that have done well in Europe they've always had those sort of springers and it's harder to do it with veterans now it may well be it may well be that if they do end up playing against Scoopy, you know, if if Zagreb did a job against them, you can't assume it, but you you would think that's a good chance. It may well be that the pressure of playing at home against this team or going away to mm. is where the experience comes to the fore. But but I think there's a clear like there is a clear thing there where um 
they just don't quite sit fit in with the typical profile of of what you look for from a, a club to to really succeed in Europe and again like you know they're in the second half they were quite good last night but you're just looking for that little bit of explosive and I mean in fact it was Lyons a couple of times on the left side who won corners Graham Burke was outstanding and Burke was excellent was when he came on well. and, like, you know, and, and like you have yeah. good tactical players there and they can be better like this is there's no doubt that this is not the best version they don't, they don't have the pace though then I mean if you take but Lyons out of that team they've, you need pace at this level they were badly found out last year they just no turn of pace and um, obviously I thought Gaffney like worked very hard but he was quite isolated their midfield like they just had a lack of pace around the team and then they couldn't defend a couple of situations in the first half in fairness Ludogorets are a good side they are a good side but 3-0 is poor it's poor no it's it's it's, it's disappointing and I, and I think like you know we we have to you have to be demanding of your champions like in 2022 like we talk about where the league's at and again, I'm very conscious. Like European football is cup is a cup competition. So you know, d- did last year's positive results suggest that the league was like turning a corner? No, but they were still good. Like there mm. were better performances last year. Like Dundalk against Vitesse Bowes uh, and Rovers Slav at home, excellent. You know, Bowes, but Bowes again had a had a good plan for playing in Europe. The counter, the pace. You know, Rovers will definitely go in for Limburg. I think at the end of the season. You know, and I can understand that because there's clearly the type of player they don't have, and he's and, quick, and and you know he has attributes that they yeah. really miss yeah. for European football, and their style sometimes at home is about control, and they can control the game. Where you don't. they can dominate, the back three can come forward and whatever, but it's harder for them to do that at a level where maybe like they miss Jack a lot of times, just the angles he can receive the ball in and 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 just get things going, and they honestly just looked pretty average without them you know and that's that's like a real really disappointing and they could have um, nicked a 2-1 and you would have said that was a great result yeah, but, but they didn't deserve it really no. um, it's been a terrible week for uh, yeah, Irish no, clubs I mean Sligo Rovers like, and this is my point right I, I do I we're do, talking about levels this week has not been good no like you know and Derry Riga sounds like Derry gave it a go they should have been one nil up but they, again again they, like they, they, they deserve to go out con- on, yeah they've know. conceded forward out reply and, and again like in times in the in the recent past like we have beaten Latvian clubs now you can't in a way legislate for like they have I mean they spent 1.5 million on a player right like there are smaller countries that are improving because you have these owners who come in with exceptional wealth mm. and you know we've we've tried it here but not we, sure we, we want to go down we, that we road we tried it here well I mean it was tried it in Dock but I mean give it to the owner's father and a lot of people just weren't up to it like recruiting mm. you know um, but the, the the broader point is I watched the Sligo Rovers I was in the Sligo Rovers ballot game I thought that was the most worrying one of them all yeah, um, yeah. because I'd watch and, the first and it leg. probably speaks to a point that I now I'm coming round to a conclusion, but I, I want to see how the rest of the campaign goes. Like I think there's no doubt that our league at the moment is better to watch. I think it's a better product. I think the brand of football is is good, you know, and the crowds are good, and you can see that. But it has become a younger league, and I do think it's borderline becoming very development league ish to the point where you can see all the players, like talented players within it, they're getting moves out of it. Yeah, but Bala just went a little bit direct. They had older players. Like, there was there was a guy playing on the pitch who's the same age as me. I mean, playing the same age as us. I mean, these lads don't play outfield. But they absolutely bullied Sligo. Like, they went direct. It wasn't nice to, nice to watch particularly, but they were pretty streetwise and they managed the game pretty well. And I think, like, Rovers can dominate, the Shamrock Rovers can dominate the league here because they're very savvy and streetwise at home. And and they, 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 they're, like, they're not always flamboyant, but they're, 
they're better. Like they've they're, they they have a bit of seniority and they can win these games. But you're sort of looking at this going, yeah, like like Sligo Rovers. Okay, I know they're a mid table. Sligo won eight of their twenty three. Yeah, they're a mid table team. But they the, lost the, the, home the Derry situation. They lost home to UCL. But I'm you just can't saying. Just say, well, Sligo. But, but Sligo are playing a team, a part time team mm. in, in pre season, holding on in pre season yeah. at home. Yeah. And I, I honestly think like. Like you look back then, this is the point, and I hate this. I do, someone rightly pointed out, we just keep going about standards all the time, comparing it. But when you think of the results in the mid 2000s, late 2000s, they're a mile ahead of what we're thinking in terms of consistency at the moment. I know there was bad ones in there, but you had a situation like Jeff Kenneth's Pats, who were chronic, like mid table, struggling. They were still able to beat a team from Russia yeah. over two legs. Mm. And there was like consistent results. And even even like the heartbreak of Bowes Red Bull and Dynamo Kiev Drada. Like narrow misses, but like there was an ability to compete and go to and, and clearly, like I mean, last year I was like, well, actually, this style of play that we're playing at the moment is makes it more conducive for our teams to do well in Europe. But obviously, this year I don't know. There's an element of, yeah, maybe our, our league has been stripped of so much talent yeah. that we're just there's just lacking that little bit of know how or savvy or something. I think we're know? I think we're at we're at the midway point as well with um Pat Sligo and Rovers still to play games. So I, I think it's too uh, No Pat's uh, I think Pat's could you know, Pat's I think the Pat's Pat's and Doc last week was a very good game. Pat's mm. actually quite good playing on the counter. Mm. Quite intelligent how they play on the counter. So they they actually anyway. might I have a funny feeling they could do better in in this time, I actually think Sligo will do a lot better because they were so bad last week that they can't they can't do any worse. They might think, well, we got out of jail here, and Motherwell probably a bit there if they're taken. Um, do you want to go to the mailbag? Let's Dan? go to the mailbag quickly. Yes, and lift our mood. Hey, what's the time? It's mailbag time. A big bag of electronic letters. Obviously, lots of uh, combo about the. Yeah, we'll probably all these players. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, you look at the names: Abanqua, Burns, Devoy, Mandroyu, Kerrigan, um, Alex Murphy, Eric Yoro. Obviously, um, they will, I think, be joined by McGinty and Andy Lines, uh, whoever else. Uh, I mean, I've I've a view of this that it's not. It's a good thing in one way that. Um, you know these players are going um to the to another level and th- there's going to be a market there for players like that and the market should improve on the other level it's very hard to replace players like um Dara Burns and it's very hard to replace players like Toss Devoy it's very hard to replace players like Danny Mandroyu all of whom could make an impact in Europe for uh, an Irish team and aren't there now yeah and we have this weird situation where now and McGinty we're, we're losing a lot you yeah. wonder about the standard of goalkeeping because he's the best and I have to say I think Manus has been outstanding for overs in Europe this year he's brilliant last night answered a lot of question marks about him but I don't know McGinty's a huge loss I mean other than him Sligo clearly don't beat Bala yeah, he's, he's I mean, saved them. no, I know that. So we probably, mm. yeah, like I think the problem is, and it's a post-Brexit reality to some degree, is that you're going to like we're going to see more players go in that 19 to sort of 22 age bracket, whereas before, often we had players coming back at that stage mm. from the UK and then going again. I know Andrew did, and and, and Dawson Devoy was away, so I know there's maybe this is more coming down the line, but we have this weird situation where like Pat's obviously drop in. Serge Atakai dropped in last week from Finland. Um, look at the profile of the Dundalk group at the moment. Shepard, um, you know, J- Joe Adams, um, a few others. Like, you're, you're always have a situation where, like, the best Irish players are now going away at that age or, like, you know, some of the best Irish players and are being replaced maybe by 
people that they are replacing across the, the water, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's a sort of, uh, you're getting the, the, the people who are maybe being cast offs from, from, from over there at that point. And just the problem is the sheer volume of them. And of course, as has been pointed out, it's, we're not repeating ourselves, it's the, it's the money you get in for them. Like if, if, if you think of say the Bose team that, that played last year that were very good in Europe, like, you know, Devoy, Andy Lyons, uh, Georgie, uh, Ross Tierney, um, Promise. I know he was more of a, a sub at the time. Like, how many of them have gone away? What was that tweet from Dodge about the cup final, Pats and Bowes? Oh, that, that was to do with a lot of players going, but I'm just saying, I'm talking about players who are, like, that's the turnover of the league, right? That's a broader point. But I guess what I'm saying is, look at the amount of players from that Bowes team who've gone to another league now, yeah. say, and what's the cumulative sort of... Uh, income that they've taken from them well it's know? been pointed out that um rovers may get more uh for andy lines than bo's got for a scatter of players put together well lines well, well you see lines doesn't have a clause mm. which is the thing i understand as mm. far as i'm off work this week so i haven't been chasing Are you ever it. off work but um well I'm, I'm literally here for this this is my only commitment this week but i i did make an inquiry about the clause and there isn't one. It makes sense because otherwise they wouldn't be rejecting bids. Always did get a shitload of money from Matt Doherty as well. To be fair, well, so. yeah, that was it. Well, yeah, that's but that's an add-on. It's a different thing. Mm. Um, well, it, it's 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 related though because it, you know. Th- sorry, I, I want your take on this because I think this is one of the things we got in the mailbag. It's not straightforward for the League of Ireland club in many in many situations. You have the Mandroyu clause. You have agents. Um, it's it's not as straightforward as oh we should be getting three or four hundred. No, grand. I know that. I've got, like, we've talked you know, with the agents the last couple of weeks, Johnny. Like mm. we've we nothing really new to. To add on this, you know. Um, so how does it end up that lines then doesn't have a clause? Do you know what I mean? It's well, like, it that seems like almost like an outlier now. Well, or was his stock not that high to the extent that no, it's just the, the negotiations just went in a particular way. Mm. But I, I, I wonder. Like sometimes there's a clause, sometimes there's an understanding. Like I get the sense that Rovers aren't necessarily going to stand in his way. I'm sure part mm. of the pitch is like Rovers, and this is the way it works to some degree. Rovers will say to players coming to the club and now, you can, look what Liam Scales exactly. did. Look what exactly. Manager did. We'll do this for you, and that's generally there. I'm sure that they were probably doing a bit of that with Dara Burns or whoever in terms of anyone they were trying to sign or the next one. But the problem is. At the moment, like the, the situation in the UK where it's made it much harder for clubs in the UK to sign lower grade European players because of the Brexit rules means that they have to fill their, they have they have to look to the Irish market. Whereas previously, a lot of these League One clubs might have been sort of picking up guys, you know, sort of uh, from, from the European market who were low grade, but they don't qualify for the work permit rules now. And that's, that's a big factor in it now. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there we go. By the way, Gillian Canny pointing out, how could Johnny forget that uh, that Connor O'Keefe at Galway is also a Mullingar native as well as Aidan Keena? We have to. We oh have yeah, to, yeah. We I, have to I, apologize. Yeah, um, a the of chief who that. came on uh, in in Cork, um, just to mention that game, nil all, kind of bit of a bit of bit of a you know chances either end, controversial decisions. Atmosphere in Turner's Cross, Dan. I swear to God, amazing, I was yeah. amazing. It was way better than pretty much all Premier Division games been at. The roar when Cork were in, on the attack, six and a half thousand almost. No, unbelievable. Like, no, uh, it's it's like it's like it feels like the history of Irish football is literally with, like it's like that Rovers Pats game in the RDS, like massive anticipation. That's great. Nil all. This actually was like I really enjoyed the game. It had a lot. Of, it was a ten v eleven, but Jesus, the, the 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 buzz in that ground. I was amazed by it, and I think one of these teams will definitely go up. Hopefully, maybe both. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was a crack of night. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. No. I can. I, it looks terrific, and it does it back up. 
why both clubs would add something to their to the Premier Division, you know. Um, the corner flag thing where you pay to watch the game from literally just above the corner flag and it's like an outdoor bar area in the, I can't forget, was it the horseshoe the pub used to be called? It's the coolest thing ever. Like, it's like you pay nominal amount, you get food and they were loving life. It was very, very warm. That, listen, the corporate hospitality is where, corporate where, hospitality. where we need to go. I mean, we're starting from a low bar. Uh, there was a picture sent to us of the Viper Room, a new Viper Room, which looks to be in Dundalk. Um, <laughs> We can we can go and have a we can go and have a fight there. Fight yeah, to be honest, a lot of the tone of the comments is like you know from Killian, Mick O'Mara. Players leaving. What do we so. do about players leaving? And it is like it's we're selling league. I don't I don't see how this changes. But it's never been as pronounced. Pronounced. But it, that, it's, as, it's it's a good thing and a bad thing. It yeah, it's it, like I mean, if the, and what you want is all these players to to go and do well. Mm. More to the point, because then you're entitled to charge a bit more, you know, and that is obviously you know a big a big point is something that we seriously need to sort of look at like that that's how things happen like then clauses might go in but they might be bigger clauses you know like you know agents like does, agents will look for clauses to be put in because there's still this sense that an Irish club can't be holding a person back and there's that sort of equation between what's reasonable to be deemed to be holding a someone mm. back but also at what point do you say no and I think some clubs have said no I think Pats to be fair said no quite a lot in Dara Burns until it got to a point you know, where they had to say I yes. Blackpool have had to increase their... No, they have. And, mm. and, but again, like the, the, the clause, the lack of a clause is a bonus, but of course, every agent out there will be telling their their, their client to get a to get a clause, you know. Um, Alan Kenny, draw the bows. What a game. Felt more like a cup tie. Could have been six all. Again, I was at Pat's and Dock, which was obviously quite an enjoyable game. Um... And a bit of late madness with the sort of red cards for O'Donnell and Craig. Did Craig, you see Craig clearly? Just, uh, yeah, yeah Craig, Craig clearly um, yeah, misbehaved. The O'Donnell one was a bit bizarre. Like he was. What he, was that about? He, so, the second uh, yellow was, and like Pat's Pat fan fair, did tell me Pat I was saying about the roar in Turner's cross, and he said it was nothing to the roar when Stephen O'Donnell got sent off. Well, like Pat's probably should have had a penalty in the second half. To mm. be fair, and I think there was a sense that they were aggrieved. Good game, by, aggrieved by decisions. No, very good game. Mm. Or, you know, entertaining game. Um, but then O'Donnell ran to get the ball out of the dugout to, to take a quick throw because Dundalk were really very good at the end like they mm. looked like the most likely winner in injury time so he went to take a quick throw and he threw it back and he got a yellow and there was an element of a pantomime of play into the gallery because of course everyone got as you would you know got after O'Donnell being the Pats fans right in front of them but if that's a red if that's a yellow card offence like you know, how many times have you seen managers at any club run to get a ball to, to get a quick throw in taken? If you start booking for that, I know maybe the letter of law encroachment and all, but to me it was a bit like if it's the far side of the pitch or it's in Finn Harps or something, you know, where where that that side of the pitch where it's quieter. Massively you know, controversial decisions in Turner's yeah. Cross where Galway United should have had a penalty and then had a player sent off, and like you're talking fine margins here. Um, and very, very, very controversial. A lot of anger from John Coffey. Yeah, I see. I mean, Declan Bennett's tweet is the TV audience for Shamrock Rovers in the Champions League peaked at 97k last night. That's very low. That's massively low. I think what happened last week, uh, and I could be wrong with this, but I have a funny feeling that some of the Shamrock Rovers last week uh, tweeted out... The I wish we'd Declan on, though. He sounds like he's in competitive mood. Tweet, tweet. Tweeted out the peak... Um, the peak figure of the home game, which I believe was was quite high. 
Um, God, I feel like it was it was in a couple of hundred thousand, but the average, I believe, was more like seventy five, which, right. is, which isn't bad. Mm. Um, it's actually good, but like you know, Declan obviously would have been on before about the sort of the not to fifty, fifty to a hundred, a hundred plus. So like seventy five would be okay uh, if it's only peaking at ninety seven. Um, that would suggest that body wasn't wasn't great. Um, and I know people are, are going to interpret the, that maybe he's just getting out ahead of it before someone else. Um, suggested what it was but uh, anyway um, we had a few other comments on Instagram as well which we should get through um, someone estimating the gate of Tala for the second leg to be fair I mean the Rovers crowds have been very good I don't know but it's it's this is the thing the difference between 2-0 and 3-0 possibly is a floating fan um, question about Levi the prize money breakdown we'll I'll come back to that Aaron um, but I think it's very similar this year to last year uh, a couple of comments about Sean Cavanagh's game intelligence. Oh, he's um, a smashing footballer. Yeah, Daryl mentioning that the Pats Dundalk game was breathless. Um, Serge Atakai's box office. Fascinating story. Um, emigrated, yeah. uh, sought asylum in Finland, age 10. He's from, born in Congo and ended up in Finland for a football tournament, but basically just sought asylum and stayed there. His family stayed at home in Congo. You know, he's played for Rangers subsequently, um, but real sort of like football effectively brought him to a, brought him to a new place. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of other comments about, you know, would an on-form rowers have done better? And this is the thing, like, I think if, if they, I think at their, like, the best version of rowers could be more competitive in that tie, um, but they're not the best version of themselves and maybe Barry Cotter's uh, signed left for Pats as well yeah, yeah. I'd heard a bit of chat about Shells as well but he's he's, he's, he's mm. gone for Shells have met a couple of uh, a couple of signs yeah Josh Jurgi uh, mm. Irish underage player uh, who was at Norwich I've seen him play in underage ranks a couple of times um, and again another creative attacking player um, then Niall Ian Ryan what a job he's doing at Wexford very impressive football. Mm. So um, will we do the quiz now before we bring Patch Finn in? Um, last week's winner, um, the answer to the question last week uh, was Keith Long, and the winner is Paul Hogan. Um, Paul Hogan. Paul, thanks very much to Porterhouse Brew, uh, Brewery, who are giving away the beers and a couple of extras as well. Um, so Paul Hogan, um, presumably not Crocodile Dundee's Paul Hogan, um, who is now, oh my God, Dan, Paul Hogan is now 82. Jesus Christ, I feel old. But Paul Hogan, Crocodile Dundee is 82, so it's presumably not that Paul Hogan, and he'll get a better quality of beer than the Australian Fosters that was always on special we've, when we've, I was in we've, 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 Yeah, we've, we've discussed Fosters in very recent oh, memory. Man. Can't go there again. I'm not sure actually about the peak figure because there's a cumulative reach. So I'm going back to that TV thing because I'm trying to figure out what was said last week. The peak audience, maybe maybe a peak of 94 isn't that isn't, of 97, sorry, isn't that, isn't that bad? Probably a bit Maybe earlier in the reach. night may not have helped, but in yeah, any but event, I, it's, it's, it's not, it just, just doesn't strike me as a particularly great figure. But no. anyway, um, as you say, early in the night, and also generally the peak tends to be when people are tweeting going, can you can't believe what's happening here? You know, what a go... But in fa- instead, unfortunately, at halftime, it was like more like game over. Anyway, this week's what question... Was, um, what was Sean Hoare's? Uh, Sean Hoare was apoplectic leaving the pitch. He's sort that? of half ripping off the jersey. Jack Byrne is trying to console him. It was You could see Sean Hoare um, has had so, has had mixed experiences of Europe. I think that's fair to say. Um, now, the, again, the first goal, it's good quality, but he was clearly absolutely livid. But of course he was livid because yeah, they conceded. They, it was 2 absolutely, they've conceded. He, remember, he had experienced last year of talent where they... He, he was kind of caught badly for the last goal. It was a goal, and he was probably like, 
in my head, we're not gonna we're not gonna give away a late goal here. And it was rare you see a pair so like he was so full of rage. Oh yeah, no, like I mean, I don't think I don't think this requires that complicated a psychoanalysis. Like they, mm. they 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 can they conceded a brain dead goal with a minute to go, having worked really hard in the second half. So can you almost nicked one. Putting everything, put they put everything in their application for the second half is really good, and then bang. So like that's where that's where it comes from. Anyway, this, year, this week's, this this week's, week's, week. this week's question. Um, so you get your questions into LOI Central Pod at Twitter and Instagram and Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Can you name the who is the who is this person? They have scored a goal for a League of Ireland club in Europe, and they have played international football. It's obviously for, not they, no, because it's one person. Okay, yeah, he, he, he. It's not he, like I mean, it's not a they them thing. It's a he. Let's not go down, yeah. go down that road. <laughs> no, and um, we, we have enough issues Jesus, at the moment. We haven't even done climate change yet. I mean, it's um, forty degrees. Um, he. This person, he. What's the question? I, well, I don't know. You could have told me if you're obtuse. What did they uh, do again? <laughs> inserts. Um, he has uh, scored a goal for League of Ireland Club in Europe and played international football for Guam. Oh, Who is this person. You, yeah. you say obtuse, it brings you back to Shawshank Redemption, which was on the other night. He always give it like 20 minutes, half an hour. Just makes, doesn't make you feel good about life. I always remember in the League of Ireland, we used to do What's Your Favourite Film? The, the Shawshank Redemption was, I'd say, like 60% of the answer. Once you give it 20, 30 minutes, you're stuck for three hours. Shawshank Redemption. Well, I was asking yeah. you to try and come out for a point, and then you were like, nah, I'm going to bed. And then you sent a, a picture of you watching the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> How can you be and so I, obtuse? I am like, listen, if you want to deal, deal with rivers or shit, you should come out with us. <laughs> come out with us for a while. But anyway. Let's go uh, to uh, Padge Flynn. What is going on? What's the crack? Not much. How are you keeping? Anniversary time. Anniversary. Special day for you. I didn't know. This is why you suckered me in. I thought it was talking. <laughs> well, we we didn't know either. We didn't know either. <laughs> 13 years ago today. Uh, Jesus, it flies, boys. You know that? And it's kind of only now I'm finished. I realise kind of not the relevance of it. I know it was on the friendly, but it's just a nice story to tell, to tell uh, me kids. You know that way? Jesus, so yeah. it does fly. He's still playing and I'm still packing shells for Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. How many uh, How many times in that 13 years do you reckon it's been brought up with you as a discussion point? I'd say every year since, since then. It's probably the thing I'm known for between that and kicking a Bowes player up the arse so they're the two things I'm known for which isn't isn't great considering who's the Bowes player kicked up the arse uh, Gareth McLean was, ah, was hoping yeah. to be Killian Brennan but I just, <laughs> I just, I just mixed the two players up. similar arses or something <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the other yeah um, that, that like it, looking back I mean the, the stories are, are legion but uh did it, it must have been like is this really happening Like, well that's it we, we knew we were training in Carton House and then all of a sudden they were looking for a friendly and they were looking for one of the big clubs in Dublin, so it was either us, Pat Shells, or UCD. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it had to be one of us. Uh, Dublin's then, originals. Then, then when uh, Ronaldo signed, it just grew legs then. Mm. And I think Royce had in an interview and someone said, how are you going to deal with Ronaldo? And he said, we'll stick Pat Flynn on him. And then it just exploded. And I found goal.com here, it's 6 out of 10 rating. Made one particularly good tackle on Gooty. But a bad one on Cristiano Ronaldo. Generally can be pleased with his first half contribution. I did okay. I think that was the opposite way around. The tackle Ronaldo was actually good and the one on Guti was bad. But uh, You think like you were playing Guti and like I think did Benzema come on? And Benzema come on. I think who else? Um, Higuain up front rail. So it was, it was star-studded and for us to be where, where Snyder was involved. Was he at the time? Snyder, yeah. Snyder come on I think in that one. Yeah. Pepe. Um, Casillas wasn't there. It was Dudek. Yeah, so that's kind Do of what you want. Yeah, because yeah. 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 I, I was just saying off air, like Gavin Bazunu, I did a piece with Gavin Bazunu recently, and he was talking about that was the first game he ever attended. 
Like he was wow. grown up in the area and he would have been, what, seven uh, at the time. And like, that's the legacy of it. Like, you know, you think it's, about it's it, great. if you have kids or whatever, like they're the events that you bring them to. Yeah. Well, it's great. Kind of what happened was we got Halle, we did really well, got the uh, the Real Madrid friendly. Then we got to the Europa group stage. So it kind of all happened in about five years. Mm. But even the Bazuna one, like, because I'm coaching up in Rovers now. Yeah. I used to have that over the kids. Listen, I'll never play against Ronaldo. Then Vizion who had to go and save a penalty, didn't he? So he's, he's the only one who can come back and be now. That's actually mad, that connection. Like Gavin Vizion and you like both played Ronaldo. Yeah, that's so it. That so is mad. Now yeah. he, he earned it. It kind of fell on air laps, but listen, I'll take it. But yeah, you had to, when, when the whistle went in that game though, do you have it in your head? First tackle here, I'm going to make it. No, there air. was nothing. Uh, I was only talking to Owen Doyle this week and I haven't seen him since he came back. And he said, you know, the week we played Sligo, I think on the Saturday. Yeah. And he said there was officials over from Real Madrid and said, listen, we're a bit worried about Pat Flynn. And I was like, Ronaldo wouldn't even play on my side. He was a right winger, I was a right back. So it was kind of like that. I said, these think I'm mad. And it turns out I am mad. I think to be fair, there's a bit of evidence that could be produced. Oh, no, yeah. this. <laughs> I was never going out to hurt them or anything like that. And like as soon as the game started, it was just a game. When I tackled them, I didn't even know it was him. Probably till half time, and someone said, you know, that way, so... It was a nice tackle to have, though. Oh yeah. When I when I think of your time, because you are like you were at other clubs, a lot of other clubs. I know you're still at Rovers, but why is it you think that you're associated with Rovers more than anyone else? Like uh, it's, I'm, not, I'm not sure what it is. Like I came back from England, went to Waterford, and the first year they hated me. Then the next year they loved me. I was became a cult hero, and I think similar happened at Rovers again. I think they seen I was probably average, but tried me balls off for them. Do you know that way? I was, I was mm. nearly like one of those. And me and my friend Graham Merrigan, you'd probably see him. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, good fan used, of the podcast, yeah. Yeah, we used to go to a lot of uh, Bray games. we get the tickets free through Joey's, that was my club. And then one match Rovers came to town and we just got caught up with the fans and the noise. And since then, we've kind of always had a soft spot for them. So maybe they knew, like, I was kind of a fan as well, you know, that way. Yeah. But now I'm living in Tala, living in the area. Like, I go down every Friday with my own kids, so it's it's great for me and... That's probably part of the reason why they love me so much. It, you're talking about that a bit. Sorry, I noticed that a bit going to games in Tala. It does seem to be sort of really bedding in now as a Tala thing. Like people well, in Tala go to watch Rovers. Yeah, well, they've done a lot in the community. Graham mm. Gartland a few years ago before he went away. And now uh, Tony's doing a lot in the community as well around Tala. We still think they can do more probably down towards Dunleary way where I'm from originally because mm. that was a lot, I know people down that way are going to Bowes because it's easier to get to. Well, there's a large part of South Dublin that doesn't really follow any football in the League of Ireland. Like, so they, if they don't go to Bray, Cabin Healy's gone, they don't go to Belfield. So yeah. where do they go? Well, that's it. And mm. like Bohemians is probably the easy access there because there's a bus straight to it nearly. Mm. But it's hard, a bit harder to get to Tala, but I think we can even do more in the community there. But what they've done in the last few years between... Like everything they're doing, the community, they're doing the blind football thing as well. It, it's so good, and they're getting people buying into the club, and it's, it's similar. Although I hate them to what Bows are doing, John. That way, they're, they're doing really Don't good. Don't mince your words anyway. I well, know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a stronger word than hate? <laughs> we do not endorse any views of hatred that are. Uh, we, we invite good, our guests. Good for atmosphere, if though. anyone from Bows wants to come on and say they hate Rovers, they're more than welcome. <laughs> We're an equal opportunity to hatred podcast. Um, but I was just thinking like that time you were at Rovers, like it was, I, I don't know, it was part of it that it was such a like formative time in, in where the club was getting to today. Like that was almost like the, like the first stage of getting to where we are now, if you know what I mean. Yeah. In the sense that you had Michael O'Neill, 
you you had Juventus yeah. and you had some 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 really good nights actually, but the, the ground was new. Yeah, like it was it was a sort of a transitional period for the club. But I guess there's probably I'd say that people have a real fond memories at those times because it was the first of everything. Like yeah. the first big game in Taller, the first night or the first league in Taller. If you yeah. know what I mean. Like there's a sort of a, a special thing about that team maybe yeah. in hindsight. And we we got lucky because we were there for those times. We just happened to be there the year the stadium happened. And then we got a huge influx of fans from Tala, which was great. And then out people who hadn't been for years who fell away from it because we'd no home, basically came back the older generation, things like that. But then Michael O'Neill came in after the great work Scully did. Michael came in and like he had a good base of players there. Shrewd signings brought in Twiggy, etc. And then we really pushed on. We pushed balls that year for the league, didn't do it. Then we ended up winning the league the next two years, got to Europa. Uh, got to the qualifiers as well or got to the group stage so it was really good for us and it just it, I think it helped to keep the people um, who came to the matches at the start yeah. keeping there because a lot of good happened at one time so it was great Did you play under Pat Scully? I played for Scully the last year in Tolga and he was How did you get on? Brilliant mm. He's really good Like uh, I think you can learn a lot from every manager Scully was one if you look at who he had me, Toig, Porcel, Stephen Rice who we fell out with they fell out with each other uh, Ger O'Brien Bryce and Scully fell out yeah. I could see why that might happen yeah, thought he was yeah. brilliant on the, the telly but the same person um, they, yeah. and, and Ado Price as well so Scully yeah. instilled this work ethic into us so when Michael O'Neill came he didn't really have to do any of that mm. so we kind of led the dressing room ourselves that group of players so when Twiggy came in Craig Sivis we were kind of leading how we played and how we how, like how the tempo training should be because there was no let up the whole time so that's what Scully was really good at so he and Rice were too similar do you think I think they're very similar yeah, yeah. They're, they're very opinionated um, they're both always right um, <laughs> Rice always says do I back him I'm not sure because I'm a big Scully fan but listen two brilliant people you know and Rice was the one who brought me back to Rovers um, coaching he asked me would I go in and I wasn't sure about it because I'd never coached but it just so happens I'm ten times a better coach than I am a player well <laughs> If, if I was to say of your time at Rovers, right, you could arrange a night out with like four people to come and join you, <laughs> and you want to have the best night out of that Rovers group of those Rovers dressing rooms across yeah. the whole. Who are you having? You can bring Nick O'Neill as well if you want. Um, it wouldn't be Shane Robinson and anyway, he boy. So probably I'd have to bring Roycer, Graham Garland, uh, Alan Reynolds. I just left. But <laughs> I'd like another night out with him. Um, and who else would that be? What about Bocker now? Bocker Bailey was there at the time. Like, I mean, the first few hours are great, but then you fear for your life, you know? <laughs> like, we went away on European trips with Bocker, and he told me one day to hold his mobile phone. It was an old Nokia, and I was there, what's he doing with a Nokia? And next thing, a bouncer came up. He'd robbed it on a bouncer, and the bouncer came up and threw me out, <laughs> literally like a cartoon with a leg in the arm, threw me out of the nightclub, and all the lads are pointing and laughing. So we just have to trust that this definitely happened. <laughs> this, this, one this one happened. A lot of the stuff we say doesn't happen. We're Bocker on next week. He was a character, but like, it seemed like you had your group was full of those, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and th- listen, with Desi Baker, uh, I would have been really good in the dressing room as well, I thought. Um, Bocker was another good one. And like times when you're against it, like that gets you through. Michael O'Neill was another one. Like He's really good in the dressing room as well with us. But you, I don't know, you were on a lot of the European yeah. trips and like football was probably the two hours of the match do you know that way and the team talked before we went there on good nights it was different like I mean it it is something that I do think about now like it's it's, I don't know if it's not completely gone from the game but it's 
you know, I, I've we've discussions with this. I know that there's still a social scene around and clubs. Shows lads used to be out every Saturday. You know, I think I think you know clubs in recent years and European trips have had nights out and stuff, but it's definitely it's not as pronounced as it used to be. Like it had to, it was, like I remember, um, I'm trying to think, it was Alan Manis's last game the first time around yeah. and it was uh, the Estonia in 2011. Yeah. I remember everyone being out after that game yeah. and Manis, I think, being chairlifted around the sort of a town centre or something at four or five in the morning. And that was, that was the away trip. Yeah. Right? That was normal. And that's, we could, we could get away with it then and those trips are probably the best nights out you'll have, do you know what yeah. I mean? Because, the games we happen to win as well and then you're a hero to the fans you're out drinking with the fans and you're away from Ireland so you can get away with a bit more but the, <laughs> the, lad, the, the lads not anymore. the lads aren't shy and coming back and going out in the plaza and Tala either especially the Scottish boys they'd be out every week really? and, and Sean O'Connor leading them but uh, <laughs> it, was, it was it was a really good time and I know teams still do it now and then but it's a bit harder and you know, to, there's a lot more games there's midweek games there's Europe I think we got lucky when we were in Europe that we had little breaks in between that we could go out kind of the, the night of the game near the night after. Yeah, Mike Michael, yeah, I was going to say Michael O'Neill, like he, I think he, even his Northern Ireland team subsequently, it was something he fostered was that environment like that you, you socialise together too. Like it wasn't just, yeah. it was something he actually actively encouraged. And right? that's it, it's huge because I've been in dressing rooms where you come in, you train, you go home and you don't know the person personally, but with Rovers like, it felt like a family and I can see it with Stephen Bradley's team now it seems like a family again I loved the last home game um, they're all around the huddle and Pico Lopez gets them in and the fans buy into it the players buy into it, the staff everybody's there and that that's what it was like with us as well and there's just you'd, you'd go to war for them you'd die for them you know that way so it's something that the two managers and Stephen probably picked up off Michael as well the two managers have done really well they've built that family thing around the, the clubs mm. Mm. yeah um, just just see on Twitter there, St. James's Gate have been saved because of social media outpouring of support after 100, 120 years. Um, it is like it is. I was obviously to look back at the the clubs you played for. There was there was more to it than Shamrock Rovers, but um, I am interested in the your days after that. Like you, you see, I think you had like three or four clubs subsequently as well. Yeah, I went to Pats after that, and that was brief enough. Yeah, that was one year. Now Liam offered me another year. Um, basically when I was coming in to sign for Pats he says we're going to get the ball down we're going to play nice football and I'm looking at him saying this isn't me like this is you meant to sign Ronan Finn not Pat Flynn <laughs> and uh, in the end he signed me and I was, I was a bit part player like if someone got suspended I'd mm. come in and play and where I felt was harsh done by I'd come in and did well and then was dropped again so it was a bit hard for me to take he offered me another year and I had to say no because I was probably 27 I wanted to just go and play at the time so Shells was next for me and who was Shell's manager then? Uh, yeah, 10 years Alan ago. Matthews was there mm. at the start and then Johnny Mack came in. You had a few run-ins Alan Matthews? I did, yeah. And it was probably my biggest regret in football. Um, my first two games in pre-season, I got sent off uh, twice in the two games. So Alan came in and had a little go at me, but I was still boiling. So half went from him and it, like, it was my b- biggest regret because I don't know if he's now Alan, he's one of the nicest yeah. men in football. And after that, in fairness, I worked my balls off and... He, he still played me and we kind of made up as well and uh, I just felt the six games I was suspended for we struggled a bit and it might have set something bad in motion and we got relegated that year on paper I don't think we should have got relegated and you, like, you physically went from uh, yeah I stood up to go from yeah, and was held back so right who, who would have held you back as a but, sort of uh, it was probably Bocker when Bocker was there Bocker was there as well holding when you Bocker's back. holding you back you know you're fucking up <laughs> 
<laughs> but like how how Alan dealt with it, and then he managed me at Longford for a brief spell after. Like he, he was really good, John you know way. So it was one that like I used to tell the story and nearly tell it jokingly, but it's it is a regret just because of how nice he was. And mm. listen, I shouldn't have acted like that. They weren't sendings off, but shouldn't have acted like that, that. And that was that then in twenty sixteen. That was twenty very first two games of the pre-season, mm. so they weren't even competitive games. So mm. we got suspended by the club um, for six or eight weeks, I think. And I think we lost a chunk of points in those weeks. I'm not saying it would have helped, but mm. I, I, th- I think I would have did it added mm. tor- towards it. You know that way. Is that one of your big regrets then? Like, like when you think back your career now, do you reflect on? Like you had this persona, people, and you like you make yeah. fun of it now yourself. To yeah. be fair, you're sort of in, invited, but was that sort of part? Did you did you need to have that aggression to sort of I, succeed? I, if you know what I, I mean, I was always aggressive and tough. I think, and then when Rovers fans start shouting, "You're evil and you're mad," and you buy into it, and then you do stupid stuff down you know that way. And the only part like it affected the team once or twice. Thank God, we Gary Twig, he dug me out of holes once or twice, and um, but it affected me because. I remember one match Pat Sullivan was playing right back every week. He got sent off against Sligo and Jim Magilton said, listen, you've been waiting six months for your chance now. This is it. Come on, come and play. Keep the head. Do it simple. We get through. Sully be suspended for two weeks. You play and play. I says, great. Two minutes later, I sent, sent off. off. And he's, I'm walking by him. He's there, fucking pub footballer. <laughs> but it just, I don't think I played again after that. Mm. And my reputation itself, I got some red cards that weren't red because... I'd built up that reputation and mm. bought into it. So refs would see me going in for a tackle and maybe Dan Murray going in for a different... they give him a yellow for the same tackle. Do you have any banter with general particular refs in those well, do you know what? I like, I like them all. Like, do you yeah. know that way? And like, just getting subbed on with Longford, um, playing down in Cork and Anthony Butter was going, no, you shouldn't even be walking on the pitch here. He goes, you're going to be walking off in five minutes. <laughs> no, but he, 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 I actually got on with them all and in fairness, about five or six of them text me after I retired. That's lovely. And like said, well done. And I think I was, well, he probably enjoyed it. Do you know that way? Mm. I, I added something to the game. Probably made the games interesting for them. Do you know that way? But um, the, the Alan Matchy was thinking of being regretted one or two red cards. You, okay, you, you do, like, uh, but like the, the, from your experience of now you're coaching kids, so and they, they wouldn't be probably too familiar with your reputation because they're younger kids. But does it give you a sort of a bit more, I don't know, sort of wisdom or something you can impart to kids? Because I assume, like, you know, you, you people are saying oh, players are too nice and all this. Like, in terms of how you coach kids now, do you tell them about your experiences, how you handle yourself in the pitch? Yeah, I, you know, I discipline. Be shy and tell, telling them, and sometimes they laugh, but we're, we're trying to get across. Like, I made a lot of mistakes, and I'm nearly making them so they don't have them. Same, my own little boys started playing football, and at the start, he's saying, "Oh, did you kick the balls player up the arse?" And I says, "Listen, don't be doing that." Like, I said, "I actually got suspended." I says, "Got fined two weeks' wages, things like that." And I says, "And I says I didn't play for six weeks after." That's the side mm. you don't see. So last year, for instance, me and Graham Gartland had a player sent off um, down in Carlo, and he's camped was kind of with his tail between his legs, like he's going to get given out. And me and Garth, he's an expert at red cards as well, so we're looking at each other saying, "Listen, we can't give out to you down that way." Yeah, he's gone in for a genuine tackle, but it, it is you're trying to all the stuff you've done and all the mistakes you've made you're trying to give it to those give it to the kids to say listen this is what I've done this is what I've done wrong so maybe you can learn from this and you're just trying to give as much knowledge as you can to them you how do you enjoy man, coaching under 14s I love it mm. I started kind of 17s with uh, Stephen Rice and Keith O'Halloran went up 19s then did the 14s the last couple of years with Keith Flahey first and now with Garth and it's great like the kid, Garth manages and I coach I 
And I think I'm a good link between the kids and Garth's, you know, that way. And it's important. Like, we, we have a lot of structure and what we want to do and where we want to get the kids to, but it has to be fun. I think the more fun it is, the more they'll learn. And it's something you kind of pick up along the way, you know, that way. So, so uh, I'm, I'm loving it. And, you know, it consumes your life. Like, I'm doing yeah, your day job of Coca Cola. Yeah, you're doing session plans and then you're going training Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, a match on Saturday. And, you know, your match, like last week, it could be away to Waterford or Mayo, wherever it is. And it's okay when you're playing football and you're coming home with a check mm. and you're doing mm. a voluntary just for the love and giving back. It's, it's a bit it's, harder coming home to your wife with no money. Do you know what it's mad <laughs> the, amount, yeah, the amount of volunteers putting in that much effort. What's Keith Fahey like? Keith Fahey's brilliant. Like, some of the, like, one of the biggest things I learned from him was the training at the end, or the match at the end of training. He always gave them 30 minutes just a free play and he'd join in with them and the kids would love it and I'd bring it up to a tempo. But like I learned so much from Keith and probably any manager or coach I've had along the way, you learn from them all, you know, mm. the way. But Keith was another one and he just he was always about like the good vibes and trying to bring the happiness onto the kids and all about how they pass it and receive it because that's he did hours and hours of it, you know, that way. So the, the, the thing like before you came in, we were just talking about the average age of the Shamrock Rovers team last night and it is just a bit counterintuitive almost that um last night did they have anyone that's come through the academy um they're just generally senior players and it they i i know like justin farija came in came in in the last round and did well but i Ida momako has been kind of on the fringes why is that i i definitely if i brought this up last year i said their team is probably a bit too old ideally for europe it's actually a year older now yeah well you look at probably the last few years probably the top players in the academy have gone away. Mm. So that's that's one aspect of it. And the next is success brings that as well, that the fan, fans demand success. Now, in fairness to Stephen Bradley, he's, he's dripping in the young boys uh, gradually. So you can't just throw them all in. I think it's when you're down lower, for instance, the way Bowes have been the last few years and uh, maybe Pats a bit, like you can throw in as many young lads as you want because you can use that as your gauge of success. But we... At Rovers, there's a balance. We want to bring the youth through. We want to get, get them internationals, get them away to England if that's where they want to go. We want them playing for our first team. But we need success as well. So they have to be ready to step up to it. Mm. Like if we have a good right wing back, Ronan Finn's not just going to say, here, there's my jersey. You have to fight for it and get it. And the quality is so high at the first team that you have to be exceptional to break in. And there is kids coming. Like... I've heard it talked about before, the first cycle since they started the academy under eights is starting to come through in the next okay. year or two. So I think it's, we've had a lot of success already and I think you're going to see more, but this is where I think clubs probably need to get together a bit more. I think we're developing players for each other as well. Like I get as much joy seeing Gavin with Ireland as I do James Clark with Drotter or Dean Williams, Darren Nugent, seeing Keane Clark playing for Crumlin and just to see them playing and playing at the best he can play at I get as much joy out of any of that, you know that way. So, but last night's got last night is disappointing for you know it's just for the league itself when you're you know, your Shamrock Rovers are the clear standard bears in in Ireland for the last three years. They're really winning the league in a canter, um, probably again this year or winning it comfortably, and they're just battered really by a team in Bulgaria, and it's just hard to take maybe. Yeah, it is, and I don't know whether it's, it's that air false expectations. I'm mm. not sure, but like th- that team were one of the better ones I've seen in Europe the last few years and how depressed uh, Rovers in the second half I thought were really good so are Rovers not able to deal with that because they're, they're just not challenged like that week to week especially not the pressing that you mentioned 
Um, well, they dealt with it in the second half, so they can, and I think what that game will give them going forward in the next leg, and if, if they're going to the Europa next, will we'll give them a good standing and grounding for what's to come, because mm. they prob- probably haven't got had played against a team that play at that tempo, so now they, they're going to have to up their game, and it, it's kind of managing, like pressing all the time to win the ball back, and when you win it, being calm enough to keep it instead of giving a straight back, and I thought they did it really well in the second half last night. And if they had held on till the la- to keep it 2-0, I think it would. you could have made a right game of it in Tala. Now, I think their budget's 30 million, so... This is it as well, yeah. Money does talk. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I do think sometimes yeah. our expectations... I mean, Rovers should be losing that game 2 or 3-0 probably. But it's just, like, yeah, I think it, it's more a point that I don't think Rovers have shown the best of themselves either. It may mm-hmm. well, It's true, like, you always think, you know, a team, when you're knocked out of Europe by someone you want to sit back and go well at least it's not a team that you should be beating and I get that but I'm sure they have their own standards within the group like they don't like conceding three goals in a uh, game that's yeah. going to hurt them yeah you know? it would hurt them and like I've seen how good the back three especially have been phenomenal the last two or three years Lopez Lee Grace um, Sean Hardy have been brilliant and Sean Hardy even at Dundalk was excellent as well and he, he gives you a threat the other way as well like goal score and things like that but they'd be disappointed because if you bring it back 2-0 he can make a right game of it, but that's the standards they set, and that's why they're disappointed, and maybe why people on the outside are disappointed because they see how good they are every week. And like last night in the first half, the other team we thought were really good, opposed to Rovers being bad. But the second half, Rovers showed what they can do. I think they pushed the two wing backs higher and just pinned them back a, a small bit and let us play a bit more. You know that way and like looking at Rory Gaffney last night, it was a phenomenal performance. You know that way and yeah, it's something like. You'd love that opposition every week because it'll bring the league on. Um, now you won't get it every week in the league, but that's that's what we need to strive for. But we're we're a good bit away. The third goal. I mean, we spoke about it just a bit off air. It's that's where you just need you just need to get through the last sixty seconds of that game, doesn't it? Like it just needs someone to just say, "That's yeah." You know. and that's, listen, they're they're probably used to playing. The, like I've seen it at games last year, they're losing one 0 and the eighty eight minute the fans are saying kick the ball, kick the ball. Yeah. And you've played out and played out and scored. So it's all they know. But like you you'd love to see a bit of game management looking back now and if they play out and have a half a chance you're saying, Jesus, that was great and fair play to Bradley for sticking to his morals or whatever way he plays. But then because they've lost three 0 you're saying just kick the ball, you know that way. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. I know it's very easy to be wise in hindsight. Like if if they if they pop one or two passes through that press, we're not analysing any of the decisions yeah. that are made in that. But just go back to your work with the 14s. What what would you describe the level of, or how would you assess the level of the under 14 football in in the country at the moment? You're going around to play other teams. Where is it actually at? Look, I think it's really good, and I, I there's really strong Dublin teams, and regionally, I think it, this is where it's going to come on. Like we. Played Galway in the final last year. Uh, they did us were a lot better. Um, Cork were the best team we played last year, as in playing football, playing out. And I've seen Derry, Finn Harps, um, Mayo did really well last year as well. And that's that's the stand. You're always going to have a strong Bowes and Bowes, Kevin's, uh, Pats, mm. even Bray. So I think it's in a really good place. But I just think there's a good structure now, especially for us from eight right to first team. Whereas before, the DDSL teams did great work. But they probably, after they got them to England, I don't know what was there for them. Do you know that way? It was 16s. Do you go Leinster Senior League? There was nothing really kind of stopped there, in my opinion. But now there's something the whole way up. There's a pathway. And I, I think the best players are playing against the best players. And that's that's the way it has to be. 
Mm. Had that kind of mad, mad situation with the leagues, not um, you know the the change in terms of the league uh, timing and all that. How is the joined up thinking now between schoolboys clubs and I'm, League of Ireland? I'm not sure where it's at. It, yeah. it just has to be aligned. That's like my opinion. If anybody has any sense, I think they'd, they'd say the same as well. Um, it's just not working. I think the Kennedy Cup was a big factor last year. I'm not sure whether that's going to thirteens the year coming. Um, but like fourteens, fifteens, seventeens, nineteens. I think it works, and you could possibly say twenty ones like a bit, make mm. it a bit more. Maybe just so a couple of senior players could play. You have that extra couple of years where you lay developers might uh, grow a bit more. But that's for the heads in the FEI and SFEI, wherever it is, to come together and do what's best for the kids. Because it, sometimes I think it's about people, you know, and and what they want and how it's going to benefit them or their league. But it has to be always about the players. The player. Yeah. Mm. Aside from Cristiano Ronaldo, who's your favourite opponent that you've encountered in your career? Um, May not be Ronaldo, of course, I'm not saying he like, is your favourite like, one. There's a, a few, like I loved playing against Killian Brennan and the first time I seen him, he was, I think he was at Derry and he had the white boots and good looking and I was the total opposite and I said, I'm going to have a right go with him. I knew I had him, but I couldn't believe it. He nutmegged me then, he fucking, he tried to kick me and I said, Jesus, there's a bit about him. And since then, I kept trying to go at him and at him and he always got the better of me. So he'd be one of the best. I love playing against Detzer, Derek Pender as yeah. well. Now, just because I loved how he played. I think he's the best defender I've seen in the League of Ireland. I've been watching, wow. it. I've been watching mm. it since uh, Collie Tresson and all of Tarzan O'Brien at Bray. I just love how he played. I love what he does for his club, the passion he shows. Uh, I love that he used to play for Rovers and wasn't good enough and got released for me as well. <laughs> uh, no, is a great lad. So he, he's probably one of them. Um, if we want to name drop a bit, Del Piero was one. Not a bad one, you yeah. know. It's it's that well known. Brennan, Brennan, Brennan Pender, Del Piero. Yeah. Like I mean, it's, it's it's always that three, isn't was it? Was it Craig Sivers? He shopped the jersey uh, with after Twiggy. Twiggy. Yeah. All right, there yeah. we go. Apologies on so, that. So so Del Piero, like because I remember that game in Modena with the rain. It was unbelievable, yeah. and like Rovers were brilliant that night. Yeah, and that's it. Like I think they had the game wrapped up probably from the first leg, so we could just go out and play, and they played at a canter, but. Uh, we're standing on the wall for the free kick and Del Piero was come on 10 minutes earlier and I'm at one end and Stephen Bradley's beside me and he goes not a chance like it was about 40 yards out he stuck it in top corner and Brad's was there will we celebrate with him <laughs> you're fucking mad <laughs> but I, I regret I didn't celebrate with him <laughs> well and but the Killian Brennan thing is interesting because like so you say he always got the better yet. like did you not yeah, get no I, I did a few times yeah and sometimes he'd go over the other wing but I liked how good he was his technique and he wasn't afraid to kick back do you know that way you respect that like I the, did because some wingers I play against would just drift in midfield do you know that way because they probably knew what was coming um, so it actually made me look good but he, he was always up for the fight and I hated it and I loved his cockiness do you know that way mm. when he's scoring goals he'd nearly rub it in your face some uh, family as well to think of how many of them represented as League of Ireland level oh, like. they're great and oh. every one of them I played with Sean uh, Shells and he's a great lad as well mm. and he's probably one who didn't get the most attention out of them all and he's really good mm. like, um, maybe didn't fulfil his potential but he's doing a great job up at Drotter now but the other two boys as well like they're at Rovers for a while they quite well uh, Shells last year did really well as well so I don't know what they're putting in the water up there, but it's mm. good. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So they're the ones you liked. Was anyone you hated playing against? Like yeah. you actually, Alien like, Brennan, Glenn, well, Glenn Crow. Um, I, I don't know. I just I couldn't get around his arse. <laughs> He'd stick it into. He was yeah. just so good. Him and Jason Bourne, uh, the years of shells and bows. They 
their link up play when teams play two up front there was nothing like it I think Glenn Crow do a lot of the doggy work and holding it in and layoffs and Jason Bourne's movement was phenomenal so you, you, you could think you're keeping them quiet and last minute you score mm. a goal and he just always kept going similar to what the way Twiggy was with us but uh, Glenn Crow was probably one of the hardest I played against like hate playing against him as well really yeah. Yeah. So, suggestion as well that Ronaldo actually texted you before that he moved the Coca-Cola bottle ah that's like I'm with Coke 15 years now and after we played the Real Madrid match Ronaldo Chris I call him come over to me and says <laughs> I'm gonna get you back for that and I was like jeez what's he on about and I have stocks in Coca-Cola and shares. So 15 years later, he moves the Coca-Cola bottle last year at the Euros and the shares from Coke plummeted. <laughs> he fairly held on to that grudge. Uh, listen, he texts me after he moved the bottle saying it's only a bit of crack. Yeah, so, listen, that, that's Chris, you know, it's just typical, typical our, Chris. Our, our, our you know? Chris, um, what's, the, what's the future plan for you in terms of coaching then? Is it something you want to explore more? Yeah, I'm going to go on and do my badges. I like to do my badges and then of me being now and spend a couple of years at it and still learn and I'm learning there's so much up in the academy like if you look through our academy you've Graham Barrett uh, Dennis Gartz Jay Shields Tony Cousins um, you've Ado Price Stephen Gray Shane Robinson even to learn again and so I'm, I'm always want to learn and it's great for me last year I was offered a couple of first division coaching roles and said no I love giving back to the kids and from Tala mm. now I'm going to go on and do my A and maybe a bit more but at the moment, I'm really happy with the work-life balance, uh, coaching the kids, and I feel being greedy and getting a lot back myself, so I'm really enjoying it. Well, what's it like to see so many of your sort of peers managing now, if you know what I mean? Like sort of O'Donnell, you would have been in the dressing room with O'Donnell. Yeah. Um, John Russell, would you have crossed yeah, paths? Yeah, John Russell Pats? Pats, yeah. We were Pats uh, together. And then obviously you mentioned, you, you just described being in a, in a defensive wall with Brad's there for yeah. Del Piero. Like... I mean, I don't know. Were they were they all people you saw going into management? Does it, has it surprised you who's gone down that road? If no, you know what I mean. No. Every one of them, in fairness, like Stephen Bradley, Shane Robinson, and Stephen Rice would have spent a lot of time up the front of the bus with Michael O'Neill asking opinions, and they'd already started their badges at that level. And um, you can see how clever they are. Like Rice was great for me to learn from. I watched some of Brad's stuff as well. It's really good. Um, Stevie O'Donnell is another one. It's just sport mad. You could tell like he wanted to do something after John Russell. I, he was just mad at Pats, but I, I just heard from How was he mad? He just, he's one of these quiet boys, and he go out on a night out, and then he just, there's a, a switch in him. It's kind of like me on a football pitch, <laughs> but his was a night out. Um, but he, he was another one, like, you knew he was going to go on and do really well, because he'd always take the information well. I, you'd hear about him, if he was doing his coaching badges with Stephen Rice or Aiden Price, they'd say how good he is. So mm. it was always coming, but it's great that lads who played are kind of, getting involved as well because they're, they're good lads they have a lot of knowledge and they want to learn you know that way so yeah great. it gives you a bit of a taste for it too though as well like you're you're thinking i wouldn't mind getting and that, getting involved that, that's it i'm in between at the moment i'm really happy where i am like i get a lot out of giving to the kids Um i'd stay there for life probably if i could but if something comes up i'd never like say no to it straight away i'd have a touch gotcha. about it yeah um, so Johnny, do you want to get this weekend's fixtures? Yeah. So, so we have to. So we have the first, European games first. first. Pats versus Moore. I'll be at that game. And Motherwell, Sligo Rovers, to be a bit of crack in Scotland. Um, that's Thursday night. Then Friday night, starting off with the first division, uh, we have Wexford, Cork City, Cove Ramblers, Bray Wanderers, Watford, Longford Town, uh, Athlone, Go United, and in the Premier Division, uh, Dundalk, Finn Harps, UCD Shells on Saturday evening uh, Shamrock Rovers host Drogheda trying to lift themselves from uh, the defeat uh, last night so yeah it's uh, 
going to be fun. Pats will be interesting on Thursday. I don't know. Don't know what well, Owen Doyle, about. you mentioned Owen Doyle, mm-hmm. your, old, your old buddy. Like, I mean, it's um, sort of, a, I feel like it's a big game for him, these European ones. He's had a bit of a mixed time since he's been back home, but he's, uh, yeah. I saw he was good last week against Dundalk, actually. A decent game. Yeah, he, he'll always score goals and he's a handful to mark. We always feel, I haven't watched much of him this year, just the games he played against Rovers. Um, I always felt he did really well wherever he was when there was two up front. Mm-hmm. I thought he did really well because the manner of his work, he, he likes to do a lot of hard work and you do it outside the box sometimes, which takes away from his position in the middle. But like the years I watched him at Hibs, at Bolton, I think Preston, even when he's there for the short spell, like the amount of goals he scored that were tap-ins was really, really good. You know? And it's just his positional sense because he had another striker there or wingers he didn't have to go outside the box. So I'd, I'd love to see him do well. Uh, I'd love to see Pats do well as well and get a result, but it's another tough game. Yeah, I think I think they, I wouldn't be surprised if Pats. I think Pats fancy themselves on the counter and the away leg. I, I'm not mm. sure if they're going to go for it mm. at home as such. I think. How did they get on without Dara Burns? Actually, well, see, they have they've signed mm. Serge Atakai, this guy who's very like for like in terms of his style. Like he's a mm. right winger, and just some of the positions he took up. Um, it looks like he's been signed. In fact, to be fair, Tim Clancy said that he said he's he's quite like similar like. similar to Dara Burns. That's what they've replaced him with I'm just thinking though sorry you mentioned about Owen Doyle and, and like was, that was the mad thing about your time at Rovers like Parag Amund was there as well too yeah. that you had a sort of like there was a couple of players at that time who didn't necessarily even play regularly for Rovers who went on to have yeah. great, great careers and that's it Doyle was unlucky you think um, well you see if Doyle lifts the training every day and he still owes me some petrol money uh, if you're listening <laughs> but he, he was one I think I don't know whether some of them are moved out because every penny counted at the time just to bring in the likes of Twiggy. I know Ger O'Brien was, John, but uh, they probably, because we toyed Purcell up front, Twiggy at the time, they weren't really getting in. And in fairness to those, they wanted to go and play. Doyle went to Sligo straight away, I think. Yeah. And did really well. Uh, and Podge there. went to Sligo as well, Sligo, too. Yeah. yeah, Podge as well. And they're, they're two great players, but just at the time, like sometimes you can't foresee this, John, at the time, what was there was better than them. But they just needed a chance, and probably three or four years later, you're saying, "Geez, they're good players now." Do you know that way? Yeah, so, yeah. Were you uh, on that time, the, the the famous time on the bus for Pat Scully? No, I, I, you actually, missed that game. Were, I was playing for Waterford. Ah, okay. Waterford down, so <laughs> you're on the other end. I, okay. I kind of benefited from it because I think Buzzer Detzer got thrown off, maybe so. When Detzer was kind of gone from the club, they were looking for another right back, and I oh, stepped in. You so. stepped in. Yeah. What was Waterford like when you landed back there? Because you landed back from Wolves, and I feel like any kid coming home. Yeah. What, who who, who, who would you have worked with at Waterford? Uh, Mike Curley first, and he was brilliant. Um, he just he let us play every week and tried to instill how to play and things like that. And then Gareth Cronin was there. Okay. Really good as well, and we we did okay, but uh, it was a culture shock coming back because I used to go to train at Wolves with just a wash bag. And then all of a sudden I went down to water for a train with just a wash bag and he said, where's your gear? So at the time we were just wearing different socks and shorts. He just gave you a t-shirt. But then Alan Reynolds came back and he got a few things sorted. So it was really good. Uh, had a great time down there. Great nights out as well. And oh, yeah. It's just a shame that I got suspended and sent off me last game for them and kind of released on radio <laughs> so, sorry go on what happened? we played Finn Harps I think the, uh, the last league game of the season if we had a won I think we would have stayed out of the playoffs I know you had bought one of their Finn Harps players after uh, 20 minutes and uh, we yeah. lost and then, can you remember who you had bought it uh, I think the biggest fella Michael Funston was it oh, oh yeah, yeah. he's yeah. a big boy I was kind of regretted it straight away what did he uh, what did he do to I don't know what he did it's probably nothing in fairness to <laughs> <laughs> but I got suspended he's a nice fella off the pitch <laughs> we got suspended for the two playoff games then and we lost to uh, I think we lost to Dundalk and 
Galway ended up going up in any ways that year. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the, yeah. the whatever it's called, the presentation. Yeah, yeah. so it was, it was a shame to leave Waterford like that because it's a great club and you'd love, you'd love to see all the regional teams, Galway's, Waterford's, even Kerry come and that's what you want for them. And he got released on radio, sorry. Gareth Cronin said, oh, I didn't know until I got home. He said, he'll never play for this club again and that was kind of it, so. Oh. There you go. You mentioned you mentioned Watford. They're actually nine points off Cork City, so very very unlikely it would seem to uh, go up uh, without the playoffs. So the playoffs are going to be fascinating. Got to mention UCD. Um, just like we had Kieran Kilduff on, essentially said that um, this this is not over at all yet. They're now they're, they have an identical um, two wins and six draws. Uh, record Finn Harps and Harps struggles down another terrible late goal against yeah, Derry. Well, I, I think Derry, I mean, Derry have got a lot of late goals, but I know they've lost their former small bit, but mm. it is getting a little bit worrying for Harps now. Like, I just I just assumed UCD would, like, the fact they've lost Carrigan, they've lost Whelan, they've lost Yarrow now mm. as well. Um, Andy Myler has done a, I mean, 12 just, points for 23, it's not like it's great. It just didn't seem plausible to me that UCD could do it. Myler, mm. should you play Myler as well? No, he, 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 he just gone just for B and was in with Michael O'Neill when we yeah. went to Europe, so it was another great. And I listened to him talking as well and watched some of his matches, and some of the decisions going against him were really mm. crazy this year. And I'm glad they're starting to pick up a few results and be interesting. Now that they've lost a couple of boys, how do you get on? But they're two teams I love UCD and Finn Harp so I'd just rather it was Bowes going down or someone instead of those two <laughs> Bowes are not going down Bowes, <laughs> Bowes like it's sort of mad the, the, it does look like one or two of the signings they've brought in are going to work out sort of O'Sullivan John O'Sullivan and Josh Kerr mm. um, but you know, they, you know they, they win and draw that I think Promise was very involved and now he's just gone you know, so it's they've it's lost funny. promise and Dawson Devoy in the space of like whatever a few days. It's, it's, it's actually mad. Like, and mm. they might lose Bert and you know, the, the but I don't think they're going to lose Bert this season. So. Not this no. season, obviously. But it's uh, you just got to see who Jamie Mullins come in. They've signed a guy, a Cork guy that was in England, Ethan uh, Varian, Ethan Varian yeah. up front. Yeah, who wouldn't have a great goalscoring record, but we'll see how that works out. Um, I think that's coming towards at uh, the end of the show. I Dan. think we're done. Yeah, let's have any final thoughts? Any more anniversary? Thirteen year on. Is any story about the Virginia you've never told? I think you know you've, you've probably gone through the entire back catalogue of that in I, your mind. I think I've told them all and that's kind of why I stopped doing podcasts and come <laughs> off Twitter and all for a while so oh, yeah. why did you come off Twitter actually uh, you know, it used to be a bit of fun and then started getting very serious and then I was looking for Fina Gale politicians just to see what they tweeted it was nearly making myself angry you know that way and I yeah, said that's you know exactly what, what it is I, yeah. says, I says I'm coming off this for a while and I'm missing it so I was, I'm thinking of coming back on but you had a couple of big hit tweets, uh, tweets didn't you? At various ah, times. this one's fucking I'm hilarious. What like, was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one about Alan Manis's manhood or something? What was that? Yeah, so that's like great game last yeah. night, by the way. Yeah, we he the nicest manhood in the dressing room, basically. Nicest. Yeah. What was the tweet? Just something more. The, the, there was that was to do with the the Ferrari over the cup final yeah, and the, the yeah. national anthem, and you defended him in the sense of his manhood. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, I, I think I'm not really sure what the context. I think basically said, "Listen, there's a lot about Alan Manis and this and that, but I'll say one thing about him. People thought I was going to, and it says he has the nicest manhood I've ever seen. In my life. <laughs> the nicest manhood for a heterosexual man is yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alan Manis, again, we have a right to reply whether that's true or not. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you might want to better. try and deny it, but you know, well, I wouldn't deny it. Yeah, um, 
But he's a great game last night. Oh, he's very good, very good. <laughs> yeah, we'll see it goes on with the second leg. But, um, hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> it's been great having you on, Patch. Yeah. Uh, Thanks very much. Best luck with the Rovers 14s as well, uh, remainder of the season. How, how is that going briefly, actually? How is the season going? It's so good. Far? It's kind of officially started. Uh, next week, we've played three okay. cup games. And oh, yeah, it was delayed, delayed, delayed of course. That's now, right. So. Yeah, that's right. Forgot about that. No, the season that wasn't a season. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so enjoy the rest. Thanks, Wayne, for coming on. And um, that was in association with Future Ticketing, uh, Porterhouse Brewery and Collar and Cuff. Uh, we'll be back next week when Sligo Rovers and St. Patrick's Athletic will have been in European action.